are quite good. Attack warning, Fred. Attack warning. Is it for real? Attack warning for bloody real. Live from Colorado Springs, the Drop Culture, Culture Podcast. Podcast. I want to confirm, is this an exercise? Roger, copy. This is not an exercise. Come on, quick, get down. One, two, three. Welcome, everybody, to the Drop Culture Podcast. This is that podcast where we pick up that piece of drop culture you forgot about or missed, shine it up real nice, and cram it in your ear holes. Today, Brock, what are we getting into today? Our top five albums of the 70s. <laughs> so following up our uh, top five albums of the 1960s we are hitting up the 70s my friend moving forward in time we're like time travelers musical time travelers like you know bill weeks. and ted and stuff yeah weeks apart yeah wild stallions wild stallions rule <laughs> hey feature <laughs> no that's from star trek <laughs> that's all good <laughs> you won't hold that station. That's what his name was, the station. Yes. So, as we go through, I, I mean, with the '60s, we had our our top five there, and they were more personal to us, not necessarily decade defining, but they were in a way. Yeah, I there think were some were, that probably. were. Yeah, there are some that were very decade defining, but at the same time, very. Um, life affirming life defining yes. at that point you know because i i really think um when it comes down to like music and and whenever you're younger if you rock and roll music is almost like you 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 do have different stages and i think that early part of you kind of getting into stuff it's going to lead you in the 60s you know sure the 60s are going to lead you into the 70s and then at the same time you got the stuff that you're listening to that's just coming out but you're reaching back and listening to a lot of that older stuff you know well and i think a lot of times you find influences on what you're finding the newer stuff that you're getting from the older stuff too you're like oh i get it hold on yeah 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 100 percent. you're you're seeing all of that that you know the people talking about that stuff you know they're like oh yeah we used to listen to the doors all the time or we listen to tom petty or something you know what i mean yeah um and, and he was still doing shit like that you know in the 80s and the 90s you know right. springsteen was like a huge fucking chuck berry fan you know um so is john lennon you know and I heard, then you I listen- heard somebody make a great comment about bruce springsteen He's the only was it? working man that wants to be referred to as the boss. <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth. It's the truth. And he just sold all of his uh, the, his music, his whole catalog uh, catalog for like, I don't know, billion dollars or something. I don't know how well, much it was. It was a lot of money. Did he give it all to charity probably, or did probably, he buy another he bought a yacht? Yeah, probably. You know, I thought there was a yacht shortage. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, you know, 
Not if you should. Not if you're the boss. The boss. <laughs> so you want to start this one off with your number five. Yes, sir. Um, give me one second. Okay, so my number five. Uh, this is definitely not going to be, I don't think, on a lot of people's top five lists of the 70s or probably even top 10. Um, but for me, this is an album that came out in 1973. And uh, it's Billion Dollar Babies by Alice Cooper. Great record. It's an awesome record. Great record. Um, yes. I spent like a good portion of my little tweener time like really digging into Alice Cooper's discography as a youth. Yeah. Okay. In fact, that was my first concert I ever went to was Alice Cooper. Uh, Alice Cooper trash that tour. My friend's dad took us. And then I nice. saw girls with leather bras on. And I was like, this is amazing. Um, like, Whoa, titties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, man, this album, like starting, I don't, have you heard a lot of this album, sir? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I do actually have a vinyl copy of this um which I've listened to quite a bit. Nice, nice. I mean, starting out with Hello, Hooray. Like, this is something that I had on cassette while I was doing dishes at my house. You know what I mean? <laughs> on my Walkman. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> so you start out with Hello, Hooray. Um, let the show begin, you know. Um, with, then hit, it goes twisted right away with Raped and Freezing. And then Elected, which is, I love the song Elected. That is amazing. It goes right into Billion Dollar Babies, which is, again, another great song. Um, and then Unfinished Sweet. Flip that mug over. No more Mr. Nice Guy. <laughs> Generation Landslide. Sick Things. Marianne and I Love the Dead, which is a very macabre song. Um, and this was 72 as well, right? 73, I believe. 73. Yeah. Okay. So, so but again, before I was born, but uh, an album that I feel took me like his whole discography kind of took me on a journey. Um, I really like his early stuff. Yeah, their early stuff, you know. Um, and it went a little sideways for me as he got you know older and music changed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I still like some of that. Don't get me wrong, but it's not the same. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I, I think that they, he, he's very theatrical. Their band was yes. very theatrical. You know, yes. um, the show that I went and saw was one of the most theatrical um, music shows I've ever been to in my life. Like they really did some stuff um, like cutting off Alice Cooper's head and the guitarist yeah. playing like his guitar with one hand and then throwing his head off. And then he appears up above, you know, and you're like, dang. <laughs> how did they yeah, make him a... sing while his head was cut off and in that guy's hand like whoa <laughs> but you know at the time practical effects that's how they did it so um, you cool know stuff, i man. i think yeah up until i think 73 maybe 74 a lot of the records were still more disenfranchised they had come out um they were starting in that trend to where it was still kind of 
don't know, it was still kind of leftovers from the 60s. You know, you had a lot of people that were still doing a lot of things, a lot of blues, you know, a lot of uh, classic blues rock. You know what I mean? Right. Um, They were kind of going into that kind of stuff. And it was at that time, it was like, okay, who could do the blues best, you know? And then you have this macabre sense that I think personified the 70s um, because in the 70s, the most serial killers were caught. Um, There's just so much. uh, It was a tumultuous time. When it comes down to the country and the movies reflected it, the music reflected it, a whole bunch of shit like that. In the early part of it, it was still kind of, it was that transition period, you know, you had just um, gone through the whole fucking Hendrix dying, you know, Um, Jim Morrison's gone. Everybody's passed away in like 70 and 71 and shit, you know? Right. And then it's like, okay, so these guys are gone. This more macabre came out. Right. And that's where it leads to my number five. Because the uh, uh, progenitors, uh, uh, if I'm saying that correctly, of this macabre, badass style is Black Sabbath. So whenever you hit Black Sabbath from 1970 to say, guess what? This is where we're going to head in this decade. You, ah, come on. And I'm assuming you're talking about Paranoid? No. No. Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath. Sabbath. Okay, okay. Yes. Black Sabbath, the the self-titled from 1970, they destroyed everything that was before them. You know what I mean? It's just... And I I think I use that a little bit too loosely, but I really think that here in Sabbath... It's dirty. Um, it is um, one of those things that really does, I don't know, in some ways, not like the doors, which is creepy. This one's like, guess what? You're in the fucking streets with Black Sabbath, you know? Right. They're the guys that you roll around with that'll set fire to your fucking leg. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Um, and, and fuck it. There's no brakes on the car. Let's keep going, you know? Sure. Um, let's go get some more beers, you know? That's fucking Black Sabbath to me. And Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath starts off so on uh, ominous that it just fucking, I don't know. It's its something on a whole nother level. This is like, um, now if I compared, you know, the first time here in Hendrix and hitting puberty and the first time here in Electric Ladyland being fucking first time I got laid. First time that I listened to Black Sabbath is the first time I dated an older woman. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So wrong. there's experience in there and it was like, holy shit, you know, this is what I can do. Wow. You know, oh, wow. Whoa. <laughs> I'm the dreamer. <laughs> but I mean, come on, to begin the decade off with Black Sabbath. Yeah. Uh, I just me personally, the first Black Sabbath I got was a Black Sabbath's greatest hits bootleg tape. And I listened to it so much, so much. 
and I still feel that Black Sabbath. And there's times again with them as well that I'm like, eh, I don't really want to get into that headspace right now. Sure. But there's other times where I'm like, I don't give a fuck because I want bad luck. You know, sure. I want to feel like I'm dirty and mean and fucking just unkempt, but yet fucking so badass that you're on a level on your own. That's the best way that I could put it. Black Sabbath is on a level that is different than anybody else at this point, you know? Yeah. Maybe except for the Stooges. The Stooges fit in there. Different, different. Yes. They were garage. These guys were like, fuck the garage. You know what? We're going to go play in the lab. (laughs) In the lab. (laughs) And we're going to show you guys how to be fucking evil. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Come on. Geezer Butler writing most of the lyrics. Geezer fucking playing the bass. Iomi's down-tuned guitar. Bill Ward on those hit playing those jazz drums over that shit. Not as powerful as Bonham. Nothing like uh, uh, Keith Moon, but Jesus Christ. Right. You know, I mean, he was fucking in another. He was on another level. Well, the seventies so, were great year for drummers. Great years. Oh great my God. Decade, if yes. you will. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So yeah, I, w- I would totally understand that. Except for Ginger Baker, which he was like, fuck you, I'm better than you. <laughs> <laughs> which, yeah, he's pretty badass. But okay, that's my number five. So your number four? My number four. Um, this is a little different direction. Um, not for me. This is uh, um, one, of the, one of the albums that kind of got me into this sort of music. And uh, that is the 1978 album. Road to Ruin by the Ramones. Yeah, they made my honorable mention for the Ramones Ramones. And uh, and I think that most people would put that album on there. But again, this was, I think, probably the first thing I heard by the Ramones and knew who it was and like listened to the album and was like, this is way different than other music. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah. You know? What is this? Yeah. And, and of when course. You hear, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. No, 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 no. Go for it. Go for it. No, I was just going to say, like, I there's there's some bigger songs on here. Like, obviously, I Want to Be Sedated. It's probably one of their biggest hits of all time, I think, probably. Um, yeah. Or way up there, which is a great song. But uh, the whole album is just fire. You know what I yeah. mean? It's fuck you <laughs> it's fucking punk, yeah exactly you know what i mean and and i love it i absolutely yeah. love it all the way through with with the, the my 70s list there was so much that's uh, not on it and um i would say the reason being is because yeah i might have heard it a little bit later but at the same time there was just so much. It's so hard to fucking choose, you know? Right. Um, I got to go with my favorite artists on a lot of things because those are the records that I can listen to over and over again. Sure. And the Ramones was an honorable mention. I wanted to put all of theirs on there, you know? Right. You put any list from the 70s, you're going to have fucking the Ramones on it. Sure. They they turned everybody on their ear, um, and especially with, with that one. Well, I think um, really the first Ramones album, like historically, again, we weren't kicking it you know what i mean no no. (laughs) um but i I think the first ramones album like was something that people didn't really know about at the time right away you know what i mean um 
And, and I think this this album was kind of critically panned at times, like when at the time it came out, there was people, always, yeah. But I don't care because again, this is what got me into not not completely this being the only one, but this got me into punk. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. It's a very accessible record because it's just sped up Chuck Berry wrist type of a deal. <laughs> right. Um, but nonstop full throttle. You know exactly. So yeah, it didn't have that deep macabre feel of Sabbath, but yet it was dangerous. You know, these are the dudes on the street. You know, these were the guys on the street that you didn't fuck with at all. Like Sabbath, right. you could ride around with, mm-hmm. and you'd be like, "Dude, fucking what the hell, Ozzy? Why are you fucking eating that fucking raw pork? You know, you're gonna why are you fucking that die." Bat's head off and <laughs> yeah, getting banned from so Springfield, weird. Illinois. Come on, yeah. But it, but it's like Jesus Christ. I mean, how can you not not think that the Ramones were dangerous? They were the guys. Like, I mean, one of them was fucking hooking for Christ's sake. Fifty uh, third and third. You know, I mean, right? Jesus Christ. I, I think so, that they were they were dark in a different way. Where, like, this Black Sabbath a, really, whether not intentionally at first, but they embraced that occultism and all that. This yeah. was more like street music. You know yes. what I mean? Like being in the, the streets. Yeah, it was like uh say all those uh doo-wop groups back in the fifties, you know. Right. Um but these were the modern doo-wop. But if it kind of like what I was saying before, in the early part of the seventies, the feeling was there. It was like we got fucking ripped off. And all the kids that were coming up in the late seventies, you know, that lived through the sixties, like Wonder Year style, you know what I mean? <laughs> were kids, like younger kids. Um, but then when you hit like the um, the the mid to late seventies, like seventy seven, for instance, that was a year that everybody was like, ah, "We've had enough, you know, fuck it. Um, we're gonna change some shit. We're gonna do our own thing with music." So you had two different styles of punk rock. Um, of everything was shit at that point, you know. Right. I mean. Everything that you look at, I mean, New York was a place where you're like, you got a, a guidebook that said where not to go, you know, right. <laughs> it was everything was in ruins. The the entire world, you know, or at least in the United States and Britain had gone through this very big tumultuous time with Vietnam. And, you know, the people coming back were fucking freaking out you know nobody was respected um it was just the rich eating the rich you know um it's still and the crazy part about it is is that's that mentality for the people uh on top of us pretty much are the ones are is the same thing that we should be fighting for still to this day you know that's why punk rock is relevant you know absolutely um that's why something like you know the ramones or anything like that is still relevant because it's like you're an individual be who you want to be don't accept and and i would say that they and i don't know um because i haven't done that much research on on the ramones themselves i know some you know but i would say that's kind of a um left not a leftover but a residual of because of Velvet Underground, because of, you mm-hmm. know, those, those bands that we talk about, you know, the Stooges, yeah. you know, even. Yeah. yeah, they were those, I mean. And not that they're every... the same, but the, yeah. just a be yourself, like, do you kind of like, just go make music, make it feel good. Yeah, For, I, I, if, if, um, I don't know, if there was a punk rock Bible, uh, Genesis, the first chapter 
in the punk rock Bible would be 100% the Stooges, you know? I think so? So, yeah, I would, I would really, MC5? I would really say they're going to be there. You know, they're, they're going to be uh, like a side, like a cliff note, you know, on yeah. something. There'll be a parable about them. <laughs> but when it comes down to it, when God created fucking punk rock, the Stooges came fully formed. Sure, you know what sure. I mean? Yeah, I'll buy that. Um, and they were like, holy shit, we're going to change everything. And then everybody that listened to that, and it seemed like there was only like 50 people that did. <laughs> form their own fucking punk rock band yeah. and change the landscape of music and change the world. You know, Absolutely. I mean, just like the psychedelic rock had done 10 years before right. in 67. Um, but something with the punk rock in the, in the late seventies was, that was reality. Yeah. And I think a lot of people hated it was like watching that Welcome reality. Back Carter, uh, Barney yeah, Miller. yeah. 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 You, those <laughs> people. Yeah. Those people were the ones that were on the fucking streets, you know, um, trying to steal your wallet or some shit. You right, know I mean? right, right, right. Mean, there's, there's always going to be this lifting up of these punk rock idols, you know, in, in some weird kind of a way for anybody that really loves that stuff. But when you look at it, yeah, they, I don't know, they, they, they set a precedent. Yeah. Of not giving a fuck, I right, guess. Right. Um, and I, I think that's, that's the best way to put it. I think that's what opened the door to me musically that you just, you don't have to conform. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Probably yeah, before I, I got into Velvet Underground even. You right. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Yeah. It was more Again, accessible, I, I, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's like I was saying, it's accessible yeah. 100%. So it really does like, I don't know. It just tears you a new one. And then you're like, oh, okay. Well, there's so much to fucking get out of this. Right. <laughs> you know, and even the way he's saying Texas Chainsaw Massacre, yeah. you know, I mean, fucking weird shit, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it was just nothing but punishing in your, in your face shit, you know? Um, that's a good number four. And we're only on number four. Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. The 70s was a great decade. It was me. a great decade. Um, I, I actually have a tie for number four. <clears throat> and it's no surprise i'm even wearing an 80 pop t-shirt you know what i mean right um but i'm not going to dwell too much on fun house okay. um came out in 1970 that was again you know that was that that jump a little bit for that kind of music still dirty and still raw but people were like fuck you go back to the trailer park you sons of <laughs> bitches you know um so nobody really appreciated it even then at the time um but my number but my i would say my ultimate number four has got to be devo okay. um are we not men um we are devo from 78 <laughs> those guys they were literally from what i have read they were actually going to be the backing band for uh, uh john Lydon's band pill really um, they were actually going to be pill. They were going to back him up and they went to like Island records or some shit like that. Even met with him and stuff. And then they ended up doing their own thing. And when you look at like fucking Devo, Jesus Christ, to me, Devo again, upended that idea of what was cool and yeah. what wasn't. Yeah. Um, and they that definitely, was a little, they definitely, that's a little punk. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. That first record. Yeah. You put it, you put it with any of the other punk records. No problem. That's who no was listening problem if to it's it. in there. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. And, and you know, people were using synthesizers like The Cure in the 70s. And, right. you know, um, 
you know, a lot of, a lot of that stuff that came out in the late, late seventies, it was kind of into that. Um, there's a lot of great music that came from that industrial kind of a period, you know, craft work, shit like sure. that, you know. Um, but when it comes down to Devo, Devo, again, was like, hey, we're going to give you a message, but our message is going to be a little bit quirky and weird. But at the same time, we can fucking rock anybody off the stage, you know. Yeah. Devo <laughs> is can... the uh, revenge of the nerds of punk bands. Um, yes. If, if yeah. that makes any sense. Not that they're inappropriate now. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in the fact that they, they just, that, that was all, always an equation I made with Devo was like, they were kind of the, the nerdy punk, yes. you know, yeah, which is okay with it, me. Cause you know, whatever I'm, I'm nerdy yeah, too. Yeah. So it's cool. <laughs> whatever. No, I, I did get into Devo later in life and it really kind of, my whole perspective changed whenever I listened to, um, Mr. DNA. Um, and it was just like, holy shit. You know, and then I saw um, there's a live video of them playing in 1995 at Lollapalooza. They were going to they were playing before um, Metallica. Mm -hmm. And whenever they started the actual show, there was not a lot of people there. I mean, it was it was pretty full, but not a lot of people. By the time they ended it, they had the whole place pretty much full, you know. Right. (laughs) And and they were literally just going out there playing fucking Devo shit, you know. And everybody was like, Jesus Christ, how are these guys doing this? And that was 95. Right. So you got to think that they had already released smooth noodle maps where they did a cover of Hendrix. (coughs) A lot of weird shit. And even their 80s defining, you know, uh, freedom of choice and shit. But this one right here is the one that if you want to begin with Devo, yeah, you got to start with the first one. So that's why that ties Funhouse. As number four. I'll, I'll say that um, I actually did not listen to a lot of Devo um, until after you and I had discussed Devo. <laughs> um, and I was like, maybe there's more to this. Maybe maybe I need to check into this. You know what I mean? Um, right. Because, again, I just, I don't know, it just always reminded me of the early 80s with yeah, Whipping It, you, you know? And I'm like, oh, yeah, you whip saw it, Whip good. It. All right. <laughs> yeah. But then... I even crash think it, crash I'm gonna, that whip. <laughs> I, I'm going to put this out too um, because uh, I don't know if it, if I've ever heard anybody say this before, but I think they got the lyric "whip it, whip it good." They got it from Dawn of the Dead, and oh. I'm throwing that out there. Okay. Um, because whenever uh, Rogers die and he's like, "Did we whip him?" And he's like, "Yeah, we whipped him good." You oh, know what I mean? Okay. Okay. And he says it, and I'm like. Oh shit, that's where they fucking got it. So I'm putting that out there in the ether. So if anybody thinks that's the same thing, if uh, any of the Devo people ever hear this, that would be great. And then to confirm that, that would be fucking awesome. Because if I ever met Mark Mothersbaugh in person, I would be like, uh, so whip it, Dawn of the Dead. Is there a tie? <laughs> well, I went and saw his. Well, when I moved here in 2014 uh, to Colorado, I went and saw Mark Mothersbaugh's uh, very, very, very first art show installation. Okay. It was at the. It wasn't at the Denver Art Museum. It was at their uh, another art museum, and they had just played here whenever we moved. Nice. Right. And and that was 2014, and didn't go. Um, but we went and saw his art installation and I was like, Jesus Christ, there was original Devo records that you could just put on and listen to, you know? 
um, singles, you know, all of his art was everywhere. Carpets that he did, fucking weird, um, everything. Now there's not one soundtrack out there that you don't see Mark Mothersbaugh's name on. That is true. That is true. Um, Mark Mothersbaugh, get get at us. Uh, Brock's got questions. He's so fucking, he's a genius. Well, I'm sure. Yeah, he, okay. I'm sure he's so got time for us, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. Between yeah. all, like, fucking Thor and, you know, all those yeah. uh, blockbuster movies, you know. Blockbuster movies. <laughs> blockbuster video. That would be great. Mark Mother's <laughs> Ball, get at us and open a Blockbusters video in Colorado <laughs> Springs, preferably. Please. Yes, we would be okay with this. Yes. Um, so, what is your number three? So, my number three, my friend. Um, wow, my computer notes just locked up. That's pretty cool. Um, I can still <laughs> tell you what it is because I know. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. This is a band that, like, when you say 70s, really kind of emulates or not emulates, but um, I think that it like this is seventies music and that's a Led Zeppelin four. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I could have gone yeah. a couple different directions with Led Zeppelin, but that's, I mean, when I think of seventies, this is the album that first comes to mind. Yep. And yeah. it's a great yeah. album. Um, I mean, I don't think you can get much better than plant and page together. To oh, be honest. my God. John Paul Jones, John yeah, Bottom. Absolutely. Led Zeppelin four was tremendous. Um, to me, the the Led Zeppelin record that really gets me is uh, Physical Graffiti. That was but, that was actually on my, you know, that was where yeah. I was like, okay, where am I making the choice? But as I thought about it more, like this is probably what I heard the most, right at first. Yep. You know what I mean? Where it was like this was everybody had this album. Um, yep. All my parents' friends, <laughs> you know, yeah, one hundred percent, yeah. So this is well, the one that kind of got me into Zeppelin, even though like, yeah. Um, I, I would like some of the sixties, like Zeppelin two was good as well. You know what I mean? So yeah. Zeppelin one, Zeppelin two. Yeah. I think they're all good. Really? Oh yeah. (laughs) Or at least portions, but I I like the journey this takes you on in a whole different way too. I mean, from black dog, rock and roll, the battle of evermore, completely something different. You know what I mean? Uh, stairway, which of course, you know, gets a little stale after a while, but it's still a great song. Yeah, it's like Jesus Christ. I mean, yeah, it's gonna get old, but fuck, yeah. what a tremendous song whenever you're younger. Exactly. You know? Uh Misty Mountain Hop, Four Sticks, Going to California, and then When the Levy Breaks. When the Levy Breaks was my my jam on that one. Yeah, that's a good out that's a good song. Just so full. What's I just it? love the the thickness of it. And and it's a longer song on that album. And mm-hmm. but what a great way to close out an album. Yes. It leaves you wanting, like, you're right, it's a full song, but it's, you still want more at the end of that. Well, yeah, when, when I say full, I mean it makes you feel full. Yeah, 100%. With every that's aspect saying, that's yeah. on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just, it, I don't know, it's like how they ended with uh, how many more times on the first one. Right. Um, which is one of my favorite Zeppelin songs. It, it, this one right here was the equivalent 
to blow the fucking doors off any, you know, 1965 fucking Mustang and shit. (laughs) Right, right. You pop this shit in and you're like, yes. I think my ideal, like, I I like it as an album all the way through. And there's a lot of their albums where I can just throw it on and go. But Mm -hmm. I think for me, like, I could make a a good Zeppelin mixed tape that would be like, okay, this covers probably all of their albums, to be honest with you. But here's the two or, you know, one or two songs from each one that are more important to me. I got love Gallows Pole. It's an f- awesome yes. song. Um, Dancing Days, of course. You know, like, there's lots, lots out there. But yes. This is probably the album that makes me think Zeppelin more than anything. 100%. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. I really do. So that was my um, number three. I don't think we need to get too far. And, and as you said, though, yeah. just all the way around, I said Plant and Page, but, I mean, Bonham, uh, John Paul Jones. I actually got to see Plant and Page play live in Denver. Um, with John Paul Jones and John Bonham's son. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was good. It was good. I wish it wouldn't have been an outdoor venue. I wish it would have been a, um, more intimate setting, but I can imagine what those tickets might've cost. Um, my wife, my wife still talks about the two times that she went to go see Plant and play or plant page. And she said it was fucking weird. Yeah. Like the feeling was weird. Like it, it was overwhelmingly weird is, is how she puts it. It was like the vibe was this really mystic, you know, you felt yeah. like there was something else going on. You the know? unleaded so, tour, I believe that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unleaded. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> but that was my number three. Cool. Um, I'm going to hit my number three. And it was a toss up between like, say, Sticky Fingers, which mm-hmm. is. I think the one of the greatest Stones albums of all times. Um, but um, I there's two records of the 70s that define pretty much define who I am, you okay. know. Um, and it's my number three and number two, so I'm going to jump it right here because okay. they both go together. Jumping the shark. Yes. So down, my Fons. number three, <laughs> my number three is "The Idiot" by Iggy Pop. Okay. And my number two is Lust for Life. I, well, I knew Lust now, for Life was going to be on this list somewhere. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, these two together changed my entire life and gave me the direction to where I I am today. Okay. And it's a, it's a weird deal. It was like I was rebirthed at this point. You know how whenever you reach a certain age and all the cells from your original body are gone, right? right sure. That's what happened with fucking The Idiot okay. and Lust for Life because you can't have one without the other. Sure. Right? And I was in my early 20s the first time I heard it. And it's like, Jesus fucking, this is, what? what is this? You know, this is, this is a definition of who I am for some reason. Everything that he said, everything that was, every note that was part of it, every, everything was like my skeletal muscu- muscular system, my brain, everything. Everything that I had learned up until that point 
was all put together and chucked out the window, you know, but then like I could go back or I could turn back around and pick up the things that I wanted, right. you know, <laughs> and the idiot and lust for life are still like, I, they should be one record, but when Bowie came into the picture and believed in somebody like fucking Iggy pop and let Iggy just write these uh, wonderful songs like, um, of course, lust for life, of course, uh, 16. Oh my God. Um, there's uh, success. There's, uh, China girl. There's, uh, there's so many different things. There's industrial songs. There was, you know, straight up rocker rockers, uh, straight up jams. Um, there was, you know, this weird eclectic fucking whatever the fuck it was, but yeah, it, it made you feel like you were on another planet, I think. Um, and when I was listening to it, when I was getting into it, I was privileged enough to see Iggy at that point. Um, and, and to see him personally, like I actually got to touch him and shit like that too, right? Because uh, he was crowd surfing on the second oh, okay. fucking balcony sense. and shit. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I'm touching you, you know, <laughs> touching but, you. Like to to say I didn't walk out of that concert, you know, at that venue, mm-hmm. um, a changed person is a fucking. I don't know. It's it's everything to me. That's what that's what meant the most was seeing that shit, and it was like, Jesus Christ, who am I now? Right. <laughs> And he played most of these songs. And then when I got older, I did get to go see him again. Um, To wrap up these two records, to me, Mm -hmm. is whenever I got to see Iggy play them in their entirety, pretty much, with his newer stuff. I would say the bookend to these two records, which came out in 2016, which was um, post-pop depression. And getting to see him at that point in my life, too. Um, and that record really helped define who I am too, because you put them together and you know, that feeling that they had was like the people that went into that record, the newer record, Josh Homme, all of those people like sure. that, right. Um, Troy Van Leeuwen, um, they just, there's so many feelings that are associated with that. So I was watching him whenever he was like, beat him up, baby, beat him, beat him up. You know, and he was fucking still like in top form. Hell yeah. More than anything, you know, and to see him even in top form 20 something years later, you know, or close to 20 years later and thinking, Jesus Christ. I mean, everything that I love about those two bands, Queens, the Stone Age and 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 Iggy's, you know, two records with Bowie. It was like, Jesus Christ, this culminated in everything. I had kids at that point, you know, I was sure. married. Uh, just, uh, there's so many different things. And to, to know I grew up with that part of it and seeing him at both of those times really did help kind of define a lot of who I am. And a lot of the records from the 70s really kind of hit me there. Sure. You know, these two in particular, which, you know, I mean, they should be, you know, two and one, but, you know, I, I saved a special one for number one. So, yeah, that was my number three. And my number two was The Idiot and Lust for Life. Nice. Uh, so I'm going to, that that was a good choice, obviously. Iggy, uh, influent, not to say influential, I think, is uh, underselling it a bit. Um, yes. You know what I mean? So I, I totally get, and in fact, the fact that you have those two back-to-back for your personal journey makes complete sense to me. 
Um, yeah. Okay, so my number two, um, you won't be happy about, um, but it definitely <laughs> defines the '70s and changed music in 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 a way that is is still out there, in my opinion. And that is uh, Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. Yeah, whenever you said that, I was like, oh, it's either going to be the Eagles or, and it's not going to be the Eagles. Yeah, it's never going to be the Eagles, son. (laughs) Um, I'll be honest, like, the, like as far as, like, studio albums and all the other, they have a lot of other albums out there, but studio albums, I think it was, like, 15. Um, and I like some yeah. of their stuff from the 60s, um, like A Saucer, Saucer Full of Secrets, uh, Umaguma. But really, this is probably the album that opened me up to Pink Floyd. Like, this mm-hmm. is probably, again, this is the album that, like, my mom's friends had. Um, so, you know, you heard it. Um, quite often and in like the overlays of, of voices and the the metronomes and like all the stuff that they did was just like what is going on you know yeah and and then at some point in my life you know as I got a little older I started smoking left-handed cigarettes and uh <laughs> and then it got me in a different way if that makes sense um, right right I mean I know this is like culturally iconic album Obviously, the whole tie-in to this and like uh, Wizard of Oz, all that jazz. Yeah, but it is a it is also an album, not in the same way the Wall does, but it is an album that takes you on a journey. One hundred percent. You know you. Go ahead. No, no, go for it. No, for I it. know what were you gonna say. Well, I was just gonna say, you know how I how I always talk shit about Pink Floyd. Um, you know, at the same time, I was listening to um, Iggy a lot. I had, because I have a love-hate relationship, and it's mainly a hate relationship with Floyd, you know. Right. Uh, and I went and bought this record. I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy Dark Side um, for money, you know. Um, sure. I wanted to kind of listen to that song, and I got into it, and I, I do have respect for that whole record. Um, what I don't have respect for is just like the overall appeal of the band you know okay um but that record in general i can 100 percent always like i'll stand behind it and be like yeah it's a great record i don't like them i i would say <laughs> out of all their albums there's probably a handful that i really like um yeah and, and like for for me it's like kind of ends at momentary lapse of reason um I didn't really dig the division bell and all that stuff that, you know what I mean? And there were some in between albums like that. I like Adam Hart mother was garbage. You know what I mean? <laughs> to me, to me, you know, like in, uh, people yeah. interpret music however they want. So to some people that may be their favorite Pink Floyd album. That's super cool. Um, and it may be just a little more even experimental than I liked. You know what I mean? I was like, uh, this is not for me. Um, But this album, oddly enough, speaks to me, which is the speak to me being the first song on the album, which is kind of funny. (laughs) Um, But all the way through, Breathe, um, On the Run, Time, Great Gig in the Sky, Money, Us and Them, uh, probably my favorite song on this album. Um, Any Color You Like, Brain Damage, Eclipse, 
just a great album, dude. And and it is an I, album that you can just put on and and meditate to or whatever. You know what I mean? You can whatever, whatever, yeah. how, however you chill out to music, you know? Yeah. I, I had a jam box that I bought in Florida, you know? Okay. It's just a little CD player that had the tape deck in the front. You can record your CDs on the tape, blah, 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 right? Yeah, yeah. Carried around with batteries or whatever. And um, I bought this record with it, and I did listen to it quite a bit in Florida um, and got to respect it. But then every time I would turn on the radio, it was like Pink Floyd. Cause, and the thing is, is like if I'm on a classic rock station where I'm flipping through radio, which is very odd nowadays to do, sure. um, if there's a Pink Floyd song on, I'm like, skip. <laughs> I'll listen to fucking Tejano for five minutes before I go back, you know? Sure. Um, but I understand where you're coming from um, with this. When you look at Pink Floyd versus, let's just say, not even the Who, not even the Who, but Zeppelin, right? And even the Stones, they were that blues-infused rock, even though um, Pink Floyd had that, they were doing something else. They were kind of leaning to to the other side, saying, okay, be a little experimental yeah. and a little bit slower and a little bit more involved where you have to pay attention to it. And that's what they did with Dark Side, which, again, I think is that, what is it, the um, highest grossing um, album of all time above oh. any Michael Jackson record or some shit like that. Wow. Um, something crazy. Yeah, the most most purchased. I don't know what it is. And I don't um, know but, how yeah. they gauge things anymore with digital purchases and all that. Who knows? I'm like, uh, sure, yeah. great. <laughs> which, to be fair, <laughs> I bought this album probably three or four times throughout my life just because, like, yeah. you know, you lose, like, a whole disc you know your whole disc set or album set or whatever you know and i've owned it we own i have a pretty pristine copy on vinyl that's my wife's actually nice yeah nice nice i think i bought that for for mother's day because i'm a good husband yeah there you go (laughs) (laughs) so now sir we are to your number one you want to give us a quick recap well you want to do your number two first who does number two work that was my number two Pink Floyd. Oh, well, what was your number three? I did my three before you. It was because I started, right? I think so. <laughs> Just I'll, I'll recap mine. Okay, now okay. I got to look. I'm like, what did I say? Did I say words? <laughs> my number five was Black Sabbath from 1970. Uh, Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath. Um, my number four was a tie between Devo's Are We Not Men, We Are Devo, and the Stooges Funhouse. My number three and my number two were Iggy Pop's um, The Idiot and then Lust for Life. And now my number one personifies, I don't know, the essence of what music is to me. Okay. Um, and when I say that, I mean it's freedom. This is what I believe in when it comes down to there's no there's there's no putting this into anything. I, I believe this is pure freedom of expression that is calculated uh, in a way, calculated <laughs> in a way. But it's the record again when I hit a little bit older that changed my perception on what. Um. I don't know who I am and what I am and in 
you know, how life is. It's just, there's so many different things with this one, but to stop hyping it up, I'm going to say my number one favorite album of the 1970s with all the punk rock and all the fucking classic rock and blues and shit like that. Suicide from 1977 is my record of the fucking seventies. Nice. You know, That is it. That is, and and even to this day, suicide to me is is still, I think, light years ahead ahead of anybody else. Even though they're on a different plane of existence, right? They're still light years ahead. <laughs> yeah, and, the, and they're, they're an alternate dimension of yes, yeah, for sure. Yeah, they are. They are that that thing that you that's in the corner of your mind that you don't really know is there. But when you hear it and whenever I heard it, what happened to me was like, what in the Holy hell have I been doing? <laughs> Listening to this shit for so long. Where did this come from? 1977. Uh, holy shit. And my whole life changed sure. again. It was like, it changed with uh, Iggy. And then it changed again with fucking suicide and everything fires on all cylinders for me. But it's, I don't know. It's like almost like a war machine, you know, from, uh, um, uh, from Mad Max, you know, sure. It's, uh, it's a fucking war machine that will not stop. And even when it is at a lull, don't fucking think that it's over with because it isn't. Have we done a suicide and, episode? Yeah. Yeah. I thought we, we did had. suicide. Yeah, I sometimes that lose track of the music stuff we've done because it's been over three years and we don't do it a lot, you know. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, we did the whole story of suicide um, before oh, a, a lot of people did. You know, we were the first uh, podcast to actually do it. Nice. Hey, you you hear it here, guys? I think we were the first That's right. podcast on suicide. Heard it here first. Um, yeah, you heard it on Drop Culture first, but suicide is the 1970s to me. Everything about it. Hill Street Blues shit. You know what I mean? It's fucking, <laughs> it was like a grittier night court. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it was like, it was that same feeling that you get. You know what sure. I mean? Um, this was, uh, suicide was fucking Travis Bickle, you know, <laughs> fucking disaffected. And I don't give a shit. And I'm going to go fucking kill a fuckload of people. And I don't care what happens. I am taking the world. I'm taking what I want. You know what I mean? Hell yeah. Come hell or high water. And suicide, they defined they define music to me pretty much. If somebody says, you know, when it comes down to it, like, what do you think is the, the, the most free form of music? And it's not jazz. It's fucking suicide. Right um, there's no fucking doubt about it to me. It just, it blows my mind every time I listen to it. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's a good number one, sir. Obviously it's good enough that it was a whole episode. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I expect this is another one I expected. This and Iggy Pop, like I was like, these are going to be on his list. Um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't yeah. know they would be three of your top five. <laughs> no shit, right? Which but those totally are the cool. those totally are the ones. Cool, that, yeah, and my sixties had a you know had a defining record for me um, in my life, and then sure. the seventies really did have the couple 
I mean, I was born in 1979, so it wasn't like I'd lived through the fucking 70s, you know what I mean? Sure, sure. But I was still close enough to the 60s that that's fucking weird to think about. <laughs> right. <laughs> You know? <laughs> we weren't really that far off from the thirties. Let's be real there. Yeah. Like in the great scheme of things, uh, great number yeah, one. Um, yeah. Did you have more? I'm sorry. No, 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 not at all. Uh, so I'll recap mine real quick since I was questioned on how many I had. Um, <laughs> uh, my number five was Alice Cooper, billion dollar babies. My number four was the Ramones road to ruin. My number three was Led Zeppelin, uh, four. My number two was Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. And it's kind of weird because we're going to kind of end shortly after we began. You started out with um, Black Sabbath, sir. Did you end it by Black Sabbath? A year later, Black Sabbath Paranoid came out. Yeah, And this yeah. album, when I was a kid and heard this album all the way through, like I'd heard songs off of it, you know, like Iron Man and all that stuff. But right. when I heard it all the way through, blew my mind. And I was like, after <laughs> yes. that, I was on with like all, I liked, I like all Black Sabbath up to the point where Ozzy left. And I know other people are like, right. oh, Dio, and uh, I, I, that's not for me. It's not my kind of Black Sabbath. It's not dirty enough. No, you know, no. If yeah, that makes sense. It's not. It's not that grit and grime. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not that fucking wearing a shack in the back, fucking holding a seance type shit. And and this still maintains as one of my favorite albums by them. Um, War Pigs, starting out with War Pigs, which is an awesome song. Uh, Paranoid, yes. Planet Caravan, Iron Man. Flipper on over for Electric Funeral, Hand of Doom, which is legit, Rat Salad, yes. and then Fairies Wear Boots. I, did, did you, I mean, what? <laughs> yes. No, no, I, I, I feel you on that. I mean, it, it's like my list couldn't have not had a Black Sabbath on it because as much as I like Black Sabbath, but Jesus Christ, I mean, Paranoid just kills it dude this is what set the tone for heavy metal to me you know what i mean anything Mm -hmm. that's yep like it's a good tone to set too because this is and and you're (laughs) right like what you mentioned earlier like when you're listening to this you're it is kind of dirty yeah you know um yeah not in a profane way but just it's it's real Yes, it invokes that's real that's what it is. Dark emotions that maybe you don't confront on a normal basis. I think. Yeah, for that um, time it's, specifically. Right, it's that feeling of um, the doors I, got the you way there. I'm sort put of, it, you know what I mean. And yeah. there's other bands. I'm they not saying the macabre. Were, yeah, yeah it, there's other other artists, other bands that that did similar, but not not as heavy and not, not this, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. This one, you, you, I don't know, you feel like you're sleeping on a couch, you know, <laughs> you're, um, you're couch surfing with a couple of hippies, you know, but yet fucking everything's cool. And you know, everybody's got your back and then you're just like, fuck you. You know, it's that, that period in your life where it doesn't matter. You know, I remember, nothing you do is. I remember good. being like maybe 20, 19 or 20. And I had a, uh, I had bought a car to come home and visit from the army. And we went to, I think it was, uh, I can't, Big Lots or something. Like me and a couple of my buddies, whatever, were just cruising around. We went to this Big Lots and they had all of these Black Sabbath tapes for like three or $4 a piece. So we bought like <laughs> every one of the original Black Sabbath tapes and just listen to them for like two weeks straight taking road trips Damn. all over you know what i mean um obviously that wasn't the first time i heard it but i mean like that was a defining time you know what i mean yeah yeah so that was, was that time that you're always going to remember those those hours absolutely absolutely and that wraps yeah, up my 70s top five list sir do you have any honorable mentions for these? Yeah. Uh, yeah, for... there's a lot, honestly. Um, I would probably start with like the Who Quadrophenia. That's um, what I would that was one of mine right there. Yeah. Uh man. I know a lot of stuff like uh Ziggy Stardust was high on my list. Um little Bowie, yep. you know. That's that's another one of mine. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> honorable mentions, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, trying to think what else there was obviously uh, there's, there's a lot, um, trying to think what else I had on my list over here. I'm trying to pull it up. There's still a lot of doors that came out that I still liked, you know, LA woman yeah. came out in the seventies. Great album. Um, but I really think of them more as a sixties band, like in my mind, right. you know, right. 100%, 100%. What what about for you? What do you got? I got some fucking really left field ones, but um some really just kind of normal everyday ones. Um <laughs> the B52 is from 1979. Okay. Is I love that record. I really do. Um first time I was a, a B52's fan of course was with Rome, you know. Um and Love Shack, you know. <laughs> And, uh, and who wasn't, you know, I, I mean, it was fucking great party music, you know, and back when you're in junior high, it's fucking cool as shit, you know, Absolutely. it was a little edgy, um, but it was still fucking cool as shit. Um, then of course I have like deep purple, um, sure. machine head from 1972. Yeah. That one just is such a, it's a rad album, you know, it's, it's that, I don't know, that high octane type shit, you know what I mean? Right. Um, a record that I listen to quite a bit now is the New York Dolls, yeah, self-titled um, from 1973. I can listen to that record over and over again, no problem. Uh, another one, of course, is going to be Patti Smith, um, "Horses" from '75. That's another one I throw on, and it's good every time. You know, right? Um, then, of course, I mean, you got the Stooges with "Raw Power" in '72. Um, the Sex Pistols in '77 uh, with Nevermind the Bollocks, the, their only one. Right. The Ramones, of course, from '77. The Stones had great records. Some Girls, 
um, Sticky Fingers, Exile on Main Street. There's just too many things that they did in the 70s that was bitching. Yeah. Um, Quadrophenia, of course, you know. Uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, so Damn the Torpedoes, um, since I've been listening to it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It's just more and more I respect it. Uh, maybe it's because I'm I'm that older older man. <laughs> it's because he's <laughs> an be, old man. Be, yeah, I should be rolling into Home Depot listening to fucking mm-hmm. Damn the Torpedoes, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the one that technically shouldn't be on this list, but was recorded at the time was uh, the Misfits Static Age. They never had a, a real full record release, studio record, okay, per se. And they recorded it in 1978, but they didn't release it until 97. Okay. But Static Age is fucking another one of those that's always going to be on my top 10. I don't care if people are like Earth AD or you know these are these are better i'm like uh static age had it you know even their last fucking song in the doorway looking that was like it was danzig becoming danzig but he still had to stop at sam hain you know (laughs) right (laughs) but but my last one um and this is another one that has been recent to me in the past i'd say about 10 years it's wire um, it was a punk band out of England, I think. Uh, their record was uh, called Pink Flag from 1977. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, it is really, 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 really good. Um, there's a lot of great songs on that one, you know. Yeah. Um, so, But those I'll, are my honorable mentions. I'll throw out a couple more real quick. Um, ZZ Top, Trace Ombres. I mean, Um, so you get a little bit of that in there. Uh, Some Thin Lizzy, uh, Boys Are Back in Town. Um, Come on, son. A little Irish band for you there. Get at it. (laughs) Um, uh, I'm going to throw out Leonard Skinner's Second Helping, which is probably one of my favorite albums by them just for the second side um because it's it, i love the ballad of curtis lowe um is a great song followed by swamp music and then the needle and the spoon and then ends with call me the breeze which is suspect at best but um those three songs in a <laughs> row are, are a killer you know what i mean and of, yeah, obviously yeah. the big one on that one is sweet home alabama which is a fine song but i really those right. three songs really kick it for me you know as far as Leonard right Skinner right goes. yeah and and skinner's pronounced is a is a great record yeah. it's just it's another one of those that you can pretty much throw on and it's like being in a shop somewhere i, <laughs> I, I get feelings of places you know what i mean sure like I, I i get those feelings and it's just from the people that i knew that listened to it you know that's called puberty um, brock no just kidding yeah i know right <laughs> <laughs> i just did it um <laughs> Yeah, there's. I know I left a million off. Sure. Clapton sure. had so many different fucking records, you know. Um, what is the Oceanside Boulevard or something like that? It was in the 70s or yeah, something. Yeah. Um, there was fucking Jesus. Too many punk bands to mention, you know. I mean, The Clash was starting out in the 70s, you know. Right. But I, I, I still think that Wire was a was a better record than The Clash's first. Sure. Um, 
you know that that just that period uh physical graffiti is another one of those that, that i got it at a younger age and because i wanted to deviate from the path that everybody else was going by like having Led zeppelin four and shit sure. which i had it sure but nobody i knew had physical graffiti so it was like fuck that i'm gonna get this shit i'm gonna fucking rock it all the time <laughs> that was a and, great and, album know, dude that was a good album yeah for sure yeah um, but then at the same time, like, you know, the B-52s were fucking, what the shit were they doing? <laughs> you know, you had, again, I'm going to mention this, The Cure. The Cure was doing something fucking totally crazy. Right. You know, um, uh, what is a fucking band um, that I have been listening to a little bit more Um I pretty much influenced everybody when it came down to the goth music. Um, shit, why? Um, it's not Depeche Mode. Um, uh, why? Why? Well, while you're why saying that, I, I actually said Thin Lizzy, the boys are back in town. I for, The album's name is actually Jailbreak. That's the song. That's like the probably the most well-known song on that album. But that's a good album. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, check it out. Right. Well, did you figure uh, joy, out what you were talking joy about? Yeah, it was Joy Division. Wow. Um, I think I heard them weird. more in the 80s. Is that correct? Uh, Maybe it was he, 70s. That was, yeah, yeah, that was uh, 70s because he died in 1980. Maybe um, that, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I obviously heard them much later. Like I heard them in the 90s because, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, more the well-rounded crow, at that time. Didn't um, Nine Inch Nails cover uh, uh, one of their songs on the yeah. soundtrack? Um, I had actually heard them before that. I had a friend in high school, and she listened to Joy Division and the Swans and all that, um, you know, sad I want to kill myself right. music. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but Joy Division had great lyrics. That was the thing that I right. liked about that. I mean, it obviously evoked, you know, uh, emotion as well, so... Oh man, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just something about it now. It, it's really resonating with me. Like sure. I can listen to The Cure, no problem. And I like their very first record. Um, and uh, and Morrissey with the Smiths and shit like that. And of course, sure. everybody's heard me talk about Morrissey. Um, but you know, really, uh, Joy Division is i don't know it's unusual it's like uh portishead almost you know it's sure. genre undefining you know it has this weird jerky rhythms and sometimes it's really steady rhythms and i don't know it's just it, it's i even though that i am still listening to the same records i was listening to 20 plus years ago i'm still finding new things like pink flag you know sure um uh, even Joy Division, you yeah. know, uh, just weird shit. And then really get into the New York Dolls because it's just really fucking good, you know? Right. <laughs> Not in the cr- contrarian way where you're like, oh, yeah, I like the New York Dolls. Like, this is really fucking good, you know? This is just straight up rock, you know? Absolutely. But, I, I, well, let me tell you, I was really surprised um, on your list because I thought you'd, ha- you know, um, I thought Van Halen would be on there. Not sad that it wasn't. <laughs> um, and, you know, Meatloaf, Bat Out of Hell, well, I figured would be on there. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm just kidding. The whole record, <laughs> no, the whole record not a big fan. Yeah. But, um, I still like I still like Meatloaf. I know. I you know, know you do. Like about out of hell. <laughs> I just love it when it's like, stop right there. <laughs> I gotta know right now. But he's like trying to get fucking laid, you know? Yeah, of course. The he whole is. fucking he's rounding first. <laughs> and, and they're putting it in that weird fucking shit. You're just like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, no, that's good stuff for sure. <laughs> so it's wacky. Yeah, I we always had classic rock on at the thrift store that I worked in. Um, and uh, they every time that song would fucking come on, it would be at least once a day. <laughs> I'd have to write as soon as it was like, stop right there. I would stop everything <laughs> and then just put my hand up. Stop right there. <laughs> We always had um, KC95, which is like the St. Louis classic rock station when I was <laughs> when I was a kid. That's all I, I That's the one I remember the most. <laughs> Nothing like uh, WKRP in Cincinnati's. You know what I mean? That's yeah. what we had. We had Johnny Fever. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Venus Flytrap and shit back in the day. That's, oh, yeah. you know, in, in hearing these songs now. Yeah. <laughs> but 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 what was so cool about growing up and then having access to all of this stuff, you could. You were your own DJ because you were eclectic. Everybody was when it came down to the music that they liked. If you were really into music, so you wanted to branch out. Right. Or you gravitated to one side and you're like, I ain't fucking letting go to this shit. Right. You know, so you're a heavy metal dude or, you know, you were a classic rock guy. I'm like a hippie man. Mm -hmm. Um, or you're a fucking dirty punk, you know, yeah. or you're a fucking androgynous weirdo, you know? I mean, there's just so much fucking shit out there, man. You know I mean? And then you go from like showing Bowie and then the B 52s and you're like, Whoa, how do they work together? But they do. <laughs> right. You know? Right. Um, and the B-52s can fucking kill anybody when it comes to any of that shit, just like Devo. Um, but yeah, yeah. I think uh, that wraps up our top five albums of the 70s. Very subjective list for both of us, as always. Um, I'm sure there'll be more of this to come down the road. Um, yeah. Let us know what your top five list. How can they do that? They can go to dropculturepodcast at gmail.com, type that in your, your email, and send it to us. Or you can just go to dropculture.com. Um, we're on Yahoo. Just look up uh, Drop Culture everywhere. You can also throw comments on YouTube. Hit us up on the social yes. medias like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, whatever makes you happy. If you feel really nice and you, and you want to talk some more, we would love to hear it. Um, also you can give us, give us a your rating. Top fives. Yeah, definitely give us your top fives, but you can also leave us a rating if you feel the need. Um, maybe a little review on whatever your favorite podcast or if you just, viewer is. Yeah. Or if you just want to talk shit, that's cool. Yeah. We don't care. I don't, I, I don't mind doing that through email cause I feel tough. <laughs> <laughs> well, so get at us if you want to hear Brock sounding tough. Uh, with that, I think that uh, that's probably going to wrap it up. Say goodbye, Brock. All right. Later, dudes. Peace. Peace.